Our dear loving Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory and honor and we worship you for your goodness and mercy and your love which you have bestowed upon us. Great is thy faithfulness towards us, O Lord, because you have given us this privilege to be among the living today. Now, dear Lord, we bring ourselves to you and we ask, Lord, please consecrate us to your service and give us the power of the Holy Spirit that we may have strength to do the things that you want us to do. Please grant us the daily manna from heaven that we may be sustained through our pilgrim journey. Especially, Lord, I pray that you grant to me utterance and the gifts of the Spirit and the words to speak that will build us up, that will edify us, that will strengthen us and help us, Lord, to walk the narrow way. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage April 16 Prophecy for Pay They have abandoned the right road and wandered off to follow the old trail of Balaam, son of Beor, the man who had no objection to wickedness as long as he was paid for it. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 Balaam was once a good man and a prophet of God, but he had apostatized and had given himself up to covetousness. Yet he still professed to be a servant of the Most High. He was not ignorant of God's work in behalf of Israel, and when the messengers announced their errand, he well knew that it was his duty to refuse the rewards of Balak and to dismiss the ambassadors. But he ventured to dally with temptation and urged the messengers to tarry with him that night, declaring that he could give no decided answer till he had asked counsel of the Lord. Balaam knew that his curse could not harm Israel. God was on their side, and so long as they were true to him, no adverse power on earth or hell could prevail against them. But his pride was flattered by the words of the ambassadors. He whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. The bribe of costly gifts and prospective exaltation excited his covetousness. He greedily accepted the offered treasures and then, while professing strict obedience to the will of God, he tried to comply with the desires of Balak. The sin of covetousness, which God declares to be idolatry, had made him a time server, and through this one fault, Satan gained entire control of him. It was this that caused his ruin. The tempter is ever presenting worldly gain and honor to entice men from the service of God. He tells them that it is their over-conscientiousness that keeps them from prosperity. Thus, many are induced to venture out of the path of strict integrity. One wrong step makes the next easier and they become more and more presumptuous. They will do and dare most terrible things when once they have given themselves to the control of avarice, 
and a desire for power. Many flatter themselves that they can depart from strict integrity for a time and that, having gained their object, they can change their course when they please. Such are entangling themselves in the snare of Satan, and it is seldom that they escape. Amen. The title of our devotion is Prophecy for Pay. Our key text is carefully chosen from the book of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, which says, They have abandoned the right road and wandered off to follow the old trail of Balaam, son of Baal, the man who had no objection to wickedness as long as he was paid for it. We are looking at the part, the story of a man called Balaam. Prior to the time the children of Israel got to the Jordan, before Moses even died, but after Aaron had died, the children of Israel started to make an advance towards the towards Jordan. And in making that advancement, they were coming close to the Canaanites and the lands where the Lord said he was going to give to them. And they had battles to fight firstly we read in the book of numbers 21 it says and when the king when king arad the canaanite which dwelt in the south heard tell that israel came by the way of the spies then he fought against israel and took some of them prisoners verse 3 says and the lord hearkened to the voice as the israelites prayed and the lord hearkened to the voice of israel and delivered up the canaanites and they utterly destroyed them and their cities and he called the name of the place Hormah. Now after they conquered King Arad, then they went to uh, the land of the Amorites. The man there was a man called King Sihon and they asked, asked him, please give us passage, let's just pass. And he said he's not going to allow them. So then a battle ensued between Israel and King Sihon. It says in verse 23, and Sihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his border. But Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness, and he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon unto Jabbok, even unto the children of Ammon, for the border of the children of Ammon was strong. And Israel took all these cities, and Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon, and in the villages thereof. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and taken all his land out of his hand, even unto Arnon. Now, here is where we have to make the connection to understand this story very well. Heshbon is a city that actually belongs to Moab that was taken from them by this king Sihon the Amorites. Now Israel utterly destroyed king Sihon and took over the land. But remember that this land actually belongs to the Moabites. In fact, there was a song made over the conquer that Sihon made over the Moabites. The Moabites, remember the Moabites are the children of Lot. They had this land. King Sihon came and conquered them. They ran away from their land. And King Sihon took over the place. The song in verse 29 says, Woe to thee, Moab! Thou art undone, O people of Chemosh! 
he had given his sons that escaped and his daughters into captivity unto Sihon, king of the Amorites. We have shot at them. Heshbon is perished even unto Dibon. And we have laid them waste even unto Nopa, which reached unto Mediba. So, if you understand what's going on here, the Moabites have fled from their land because Sihon utterly destroyed them. And there comes Israel, utterly destroyed the people that destroyed Moab. So what will the Moabites be thinking? Somebody destroyed us and the people who utterly destroyed us, someone has destroyed them. That means those people are even more powerful than King Sihon. So the Moabites are afraid. After they conquered the Moabites, then the next thing was King Bashan. And Bashan said he was going to fight Israel. In verse 34 it says now, and the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not, for I have delivered him into thy hand, and all his people, and his land, and thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So they smote him and his sons and his people, until there was left none, none left him alive, and they possessed the land. So here are the Moabites observing. The Israelites, they have conquered the Canaanites, king Arad. Then, they have conquered King Sihon who actually conquered them and then they have conquered King Bashan and then they are about to pass the land of Moab. They are afraid. To them, they feel like there is just no need trying to fight Israel. These people have conquered three mighty nations, nations mightier than ourselves. We have to resort to something else in order to conquer Israel. And in comes Balaam and Balak. Balak is the king of Moab and Balaam is a prophet of God. Numbers 22 reading from verse 1 says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. So you can imagine the fear that the Moabites have now. They are on the borders of Moab. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come down, therefore, I pray thee, curse me these people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. The rest of the story, we know what it is. Balaam, are hearing the message from Balak, and here, where he heard them say to him that Balak said, Whoever you blessed is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. And he heard the rewards of the divination. Being a covetous man, Balaam told them, I cannot curse these people, but wait, let me pray to God to hear what he will ask me to do. And he prayed, 
and then the Lord told him, don't go. And he woke up in the morning, unhappy with that message, and told them, I cannot go. And he was not happy with that. But deep down in Balaam was a deep-seated covetousness. Balaam was a man who loved money, like we read in the title of our devotion, Prophecy for Pay. Balaam had lost his desire for the will of God. He had already apostatized on account of his love for gain, his love for money. He was now someone up for hire. He was now a prophet who would only work for those who give him money. Were these people to come to him and that's the Moabite and without any reward and just beg him, please go with us, he would have dismissed them in the, immediately without even telling them, let me pray to find out what the Lord has to say. The only reason he prayed was because of the the money and the gifts that were attached to this work. You see, this work, this contract, this contract was one that was very, very lucrative. So Balak has started to look at his his work as business. He saw it as a contract. He saw it as something that he uses to earn some money for himself, not a spiritual work. And the Lord is pointing us to the story of Balaam in this sense of his covetousness today. As we journey on our way to our heavenly Canaan, we need to beware of covetousness and not just in our own lives but we need to beware of prophets those prophets who are up for grabs for the sake of covetousness in the book of jeremiah 5 we are appointed to such kind of people reading from verse 26 it says for among my people are found wicked men they lay wait as he that setteth snares they set a trap they catch men as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxing rich. They are waxing fat, they shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Here the Lord is pointing to prophets that prophesy falsely. And it says there that the priests bear rule by their means. What does that mean? That the priests bear rule by their means. That is, the way they rule and they make their decisions is by the money they receive. The, today, we have such things happening around us. We have prophets that prophesy falsely and people who bear rule by their means. Indeed, today we have all kinds of things that are done by the modern-day Balaams prophesying into people's lives for money and they come and tell you how to prophesy into your life and today there is even the term they say i want to see vision for you and then you pay them for them to see vision in your life and what is the vision they always see it's always good things they will tell you concerning your future they will tell women oh i've seen your the person that's going to marry you oh he's he's not he's not here he's in america and all kinds of things they say to elevate people's ego and to make them feel good and then the people like we read they love to have it so 
and they will pay the prophets for this for saying good things to them and then there are those with the false healing and miracles false teachings to cater to the people's cravings and desires pastors praying for people just so that they can succeed in evil schemes that they do today we have what we call internet fraud and we have young boys who are involved in internet fraud but behind them today we find them in the churches that's where they are you have people groups who do internet fraud they stay in the churches to do their internet fraud they camouflage as if they work for certain pastors but what they're actually doing is that they are hiding from the from the police they are hiding from the authorities in the church doing internet fraud in the church because they know that they will not be suspected in the church many cultists are there in the churches under certain pastors doing the internet fraud and the pastors are praying for them to succeed and they will share the money together then there are still pastors whose work is strictly to pray for politicians is to prophesy for pay indeed they don't pray for normal people when the election is coming oh that's when they come up and they go to meet the politicians and pray for them to succeed and some politicians even come to them for their blessings for their prayers and they'll pay them some money to pray for them so that they will win the elections and when they do win the elections the pastors actually tell them i've heard one time when i was a young boy when i saw these pastors they came to make phone calls and in the phone call they were making they were telling someone this is our business this is how we're going to do it i'll pray for you for you when you get the job you would pay me if you get the job and they always they make that deal with people that when we pray for you and then you get something that you wanted because i was the one that prayed for you you will pay me so, so, so amount of money this was this is what they do till today they prophesy for people for the sake of pay they prophesy like i said for politicians especially they organize people to do internet fraud and what is the foundation of these things it is covetousness prophesying for pay these are the modern day balance and jesus warned us that we are going to have many of them in the book of second peter reading chapter 2 from verse 1 we are told there very clearly what we are going to see in these last days say but there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and true covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not another version says and a great number will go with them in their evil ways through whom the true way will have a bad name and in their desire for profit they will come to you with words of deceit this is two second peter 2 verse 3 and in their desire for profit they will come to you with words of deceit like traders doing business in souls whose punishment has been ready for a long time and their destruction is watching for them another version say and in their greed they will exploit you with deceptive words their condemnation pronounced long ago is not sitting idly by their destruction is not asleep and then going down to verse then verse 12 says but these as natural brute beasts 
made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of things they do not understand and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime sports they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you having eyes full of idol of adultery and they and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and hearts they have exercised with covetous practices cursed children like he said now they in hearts they have exercised with covetous practices cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of balaam the son of bosor who loved the wages of unrighteousness oh now we have many prophets who love the wages of unrighteousness they give them money that they know came from people who are stealing and they collect these wages of unrighteousness they even assist the people by praying for them in their jobs and they pray for armed robbers they pray for known thieves they pray for wicked men knowing the wickedness these men are practicing and intending to profit of the wickedness of the people and that's why the bible in jeremiah 5 verse 31 says the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so and what will you do in the end thereof so it's not that the people are deceived the people love it so so they need those kind of prophets they don't even want to hear the true prophets speak the word of god faithfully to them they want the ones who will prophesy for pay isaiah 56 says in verse 10 his watchmen are blind they are all ignorant they are all dumb dogs that they cannot bark sleeping lying down loving to slumber yeah they are greedy dogs which can never have enough and they are shepherds that cannot understand they all look to their own way even everyone for his gain from his quarter come ye say they i will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant my brothers and sisters if you are covetous then you will love the covetous pastors if you love money then you will be among those who love to hear pastors that will not tell you the truth about yourself that will not, not that will prophesy the straight testimony to you you will prefer to have balance in your life and the issue we are seeing here is that the prophets who prophesy lies and bear rule by their means, they have a people who love to have it so. That is why they are succeeding. Because the people love to hear the lies. They love to hear those prophets who tell them lies. That is where the foundation or the, the prosperity of these prophets come from. But we are warned today to avoid this character of Balaam which is founded in covetousness. Because on our way to our heavenly Canaan, the devil is going to tempt us with covetousness. And there are many who fall for it. If there is one sin that they say, you see, covetousness is what makes this world go round. It comes in the form of greed and competition in the businesses. And we need to be careful how we run our business. What we read in our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 112, paragraph 3 says, the tempter is ever presenting worldly gain and honor to entice men from the service of God. 
as you are going on your journey, the devil will tempt you with covetousness. Worldly gain. Continuing the reading, he tells them that it is their overconscientiousness that keeps them from prosperity. Thus, many are induced to venture out of the path of strict integrity. One wrong step makes the next easier, and they become more and more presumptuous. They will do and dare most terrible things when once they have given themselves to the control of avarice and a desire of power. Many flatter themselves that they can depart from strict integrity for a time, and that having gained their object, they can change their course when they please. Such are entangling themselves in the snare of Satan, and it is seldom that they escape." End of quote. Let us begin by talking about the first thing that Satan will tempt you, telling you that you have been over-conscientious. You see, there's a balance to these things. For some, he will, you know, the devil doesn't actually want God's people to have money so that they won't do the work he wants, to, that God wants them to do. But then, we know that the love of money is the root of all evil. So, there are two ways to it. Firstly, tempting people and telling them you are being too conscientious. In other words, you are being too uh, particular. Don't be so particular. You are being over-righteous in this matter. Mean You need to drop down your standards. It's not everything that is a sin as you see it to be. You, you have to break down your standards in order for you to make some money. You can sin for the time being and use it for God's work. You, you know, you can just... Uh, change your date of birth here so you know if you don't change it you're not going to get that job you can just tell a lie here you don't need to be so conscientious about this matter it's just a white lie and once you do it only once then it's over you don't need to do it again and besides when you change your date of birth it's just you go to the court you swear affidavit it is legal it is not a sin oh my don't you know that those things which the world will see as not a sin in the eyes of God is abominable? When you go to the court to swear affidavit and change your date of birth, does God not, not know your date of birth? And the world accepts it and says, oh, he has sworn an affidavit and now we accept him that this is his age. And there are some who will even change their name altogether just to take a job from someone else. I tell you, this happens when the names are shortlisted, maybe for a job offshore, and then there's a name there. People change their own names. To answer another person's name just so they can get a job so they can get the money these are the things that the devil will say it's just something you do once and then he tempts them with the same thing he tempted joseph with adultery and he tells the ladies you can sleep with this man so that you can get your certificate so you know the certificate is the road to your job or you can get sleep with this man so that you can get your job or get promotion these are the things he said don't be so conscientious over these things besides you're not doing it all the time it's just once you just need to cheat here lie there falsify this document and just write the exams on sabbath i remember a pastor who is one of this i would say did this work of bala a young boy who decided to follow the lord and said i will keep the sabbath day of the lord i will do no work on that day and based on what i understand I'm not to go to any work that is not in harmony with the word of God, with the keeping of the Sabbath, which includes writing exams on Sabbath. In my presence, this pastor, supposed conference president, called the young boy and told him, 
go and write it. It's just for five years in school. Hurry up and write it and come out. The, the, just, just close your eyes and just five years and you're done. Come out quickly. Then you can come out and we will, we will make you hear me well. I'm telling you. He told the boy, and when you come out, since you love God so much, we will make you a pastor in the church. My oh my. What will covetousness what not do? How far will covetousness not go? Telling a young boy to put his hand in evil and in sin who is conscientious to do the right things. And here is this pastor, Balaam, the son of Bosor, telling the boy to go and put his hands into evil and into sin just for the sake of so-called certificate and accreditation of the world so that they can get a job and even promising him that he will be a pastor when he's done since he's so conscientious and loves to do the work of God. Oh, our eyes need to be opened. How far will we go in covetousness? People are blinded by covetousness that they will go as far as doing what they just, what I said this pastor just did. This is this is the issue but covetousness needs to be dealt with how do we deal with it jesus laid the axe to the root of covetousness and a young man at a time came to him for the purpose of for the purpose of uh asking the lord for something that he thought was his in luke chapter 12 reading from verse 13 to 15 he says and one of the company said unto him master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me and there are many today who are fighting covetously for their father's land they are fighting covetously for what they claim it rightly belongs to them and many today are praying in their families tell let us pray so that the lord will help us this person is trying to take my land and all of that what does the bible tell us this young man hear his request he told jesus master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Wow! Many would expect that Jesus would say, Oh, this is injustice, let me go and help you get the land, I will speak to your brother for you. There are so many on their knees today, they are praying, they are calling prophets to their houses, telling them, Oh, Master Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. My brother is trying to take the land away from me. The example of Isaac is right before us, when his well, which he dug, and his father's well that he dug, was taken away from him, or they strove for it, uh, the people of the land of the Philistines, Abimelech the king, his people fought for the well. Isaac left it alone. They fought for the second one. Isaac left it alone for them. His hard earned labor. Jesus said too that we should not resist evil. And Isaac, when he dug the third well, accepted it as his own, saying that this is the one they didn't strive for. Covetousness will lead us to drag, it will lead us to fight even when we have enough. Yet we are fighting for something and saying, it is my right. It is rightfully mine. I know that what I'm saying now, many people wouldn't find it palatable to their ears. There are many people fighting for the land that belongs to them. And in the case of this man, he already had enough. And somebody, his brother, was not giving him the inheritance. And he wanted more to add to what he already had. 
And Jesus said, who made me a divider over you? And then he laid the axe to the root of covetousness, which is this word, these words he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That is the root of covetousness. Where you have this mindset that your identity is attached to what you have. People love to show off. They feel that I am who I am because of the car that I own, because of the house that I built, because of the shirt that I'm wearing, oh, it is designer, and the shoe I'm wearing, designer, and the watch I'm wearing in my hand, and also the phone that I'm using. Those are the things that are their identity. People think that their life is tied or judged or valuable because of the things they possess. And Jesus is telling us this is the ideology of covetousness, that a man's life consists is identified or judged by the abundance of the things that he possesses and that is what leads to all the schemes of covetousness i'm reminded of the book the pilgrim's progress and that is our own progress too as we are moving we will be tempted with covetousness when christian and hopeful were moving they just came out of vanity fair they met a man called by ends from the town of fair speech and here were some words when Christian asked Byens about his his people from first speech, he said to them, to be honest, almost the whole town, and in particular my lord, turned about, my lord time server, my lord first speech, from whose ancestors the town first took its name. Also, there is Mr. Smooth Man. And all these names that are being called, by the way, are the principles of covetousness. Mr. Smooth Man, Mr. Facing Both Ways, Mr. Anything, and the parson of our parish, Mr. Two Tongues, who was my mother's own brother on my father's side. And to tell you the truth, I have become a gentleman of high quality, though my great-grandfather was merely an oarsman for hire who would look one way and row the other. I obtained most of my possessions by means of the same occupation. My wife is a very virtuous woman. She was my lady Fainin's daughter and Therefore, she came from a very honorable family and as a result, as she has reached a high level of breeding, her deportment is always impeccable before either princes or peasants. Analyzing all these words, end of quote. Analyzing all these words, first speech. This is a principle of covetousness, which is what we will call today political correctness, saying the things people want to hear, which you don't actually mean, so that they can buy stuff from you. You see people in their businesses tell lies, they have that fair speech, they wouldn't speak the truth, they will just say things that you love to hear so that they can get their business done. Two tongues, that's another principle of covetousness. You say one thing and then you say another, just telling the people exactly what they want to hear and then turn about feigning that is pretending and then we read today concerning uh balaam that he was a time server and that's what byen said one of their principles is time serving that is being opportunistic for the sake of money don't miss any opportunity where you can make money do anything you can to strike that deal even if it includes violence and then he talked about his grandfather who was an oarsman who is looking one way but rowing another and then he talked of smooth man and mr facing both ways and mr anything and his wife feigning that is pretender these are the principles of covetousness you have to pretend you have to be a smooth man you have to face both ways don't be in one way you never uh can be predicted these are the principles that people people who have to be covetous imbibe in their lives 
And these are the things that we must condemn in our own lives if we must run away from covetousness. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 tells us, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Psalm 62 verse 10, Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Your life is not determined by how much you have. Didn't Jesus tell us? Jeremiah 9, reading from verse 23. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. For I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight said the lord your identity is not determined by how much money you have or how many cars you own or the kind of phone you are using or the designer of the clothes you are wearing or the shoe you are wearing or the cream you use and the soap you use and the perfume you use this is all vanity brothers and sisters why should we in the bid to have these things even the house you have built or the location you are living these are the things that make people feel good about themselves jesus is saying don't look don't feel good about yourself let not the wise man glory don't glory in your riches or in your possessions those are not the things that actually put value into your life you are just vanity if you have those things and you don't have christ first timothy chapter 6 reading from verse 6 tells us but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment let us be there with content but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. There are people who will jeopardize their health just because of money all through the night studying hard while their health is deteriorating so that they can pass a certain examination that they think is the link to that job that has so much money and then they can come and say i have arrived i have made it the lord is telling us godliness with contentment is great gain if you have all the world's goods and you do not have Christ in your life, you are as good as nothing. Even Solomon, the richest and wisest man that ever lived, came to this realization and saw it as vanity. He said, How died the rich man, just as the poor man? Then what good was my wisdom to me? That was the things that he taught in his mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, reading for verse 9, he says, So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought. 
and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Then in Exodus 2 verse 14, he said, The wise man's eyes are in his head, but a fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happened to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that this also is vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool, forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And then in verse 21 he says, For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that has not labor therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity. Have you seen it as vanity? The wise man saw it and decided to chase after other things and he concluded in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Solomon found that there was something greater than accumulating wealth. And he realized that indeed godliness with contentment is great gain. He pierced himself through, through many sorrows in trying to get the things of this world in enjoyment. And many are piercing themselves through with many sorrows, involving themselves and putting their hands into evil things just because they want to gain money. They see it and they say, oh, I need to gain money. It is the two crowns happening again. The Lord is giving us the crown of righteousness and it says, all who win me are happy and shall have eternal life. But then the world is offering to us the worldly crown and telling us riches belong to me. He that gets me will be rich. And many are clamoring for the earthly crown. They are crowding upon each other, stepping on each other just to get the earthly crown. They have become covetous, selfish, greedy, time servers, Mr. Turn about. Anything goes as far as it's going to help them get the money. Anything goes. They can go into violence, lying, cheating. Even their own relatives they can kill just for money. They will trample upon their own close friends and cheat on them just so that they can get the money. All kinds of evil schemes like we saw in the in Bayern's uh, story and the people living with him, time serving, pretending, feigning, fair speech, political correctness, all of this. Look at the politicians today just to reserve their position. Nobody knows how to even, they don't know, people don't know how to define woman anymore. Why? The aim of it is not just that they don't know how to define woman. There is something behind it. It is covetousness. If you define woman the right way, you are not going to get the job. And if you don't get the job, you can't get the money and the power. And that is what is happening. Imagine that. People cannot define woman anymore. Even on the streets, people are afraid. Why? Because they are the same people, fair speech, protecting themselves. Oh, I've seen it. They go to ask people, define woman and they are offended just because they are told to define woman. But why are they offended? 
tied behind it is the same covetousness. If you define it, you lose your job, you lose your job, you lose your money and you lose your power and you lose all the good things you used to have. So they cannot define woman anymore. That is where covetousness can take you to, where you cannot even define woman and then you say, I'm not a biologist. So you really, <laughs> you're not a biologist, but you know so many other, other things. So we need to beware of covetousness indeed. This is not to negate the fact that God can actually bless people. The Bible tells us that the blessing of the Lord comes without sorrow. There's nothing here that's telling us not to aspire to work. Six days shall thou labor and do all your work. And the Lord will bless the diligent man. Just as we saw in the story of Joseph. Work hard, but do not cut corners. Do not lower the standard just because you want to make some money. That is what this whole thing is about. Don't let the devil make you rationalize that which you know is evil and drop down the standard just so that you can make some money. People will go very far into these things and tell lies over many things just to get out of the country and when they do get there, some people will go even into some kind of shady deals or even marriages just for the sake of the same thing we are discussing here today. So we need to be careful. Go ahead and work. Work hard. The Bible has promised that those who are diligent will stand before kings and not before mean men. But the counsel to us is do not put your hands into sin. When the temptation comes to you like it came to Joseph, rather go to prison or even to death than to put your hands into evil things just because you are trying to retain your job or get some money. The Lord will bless you as you do your work faithfully. You may have challenges. You may make losses just because you are doing the right thing. But be patient, faithfully continue in doing right. Like we read in 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. Thou, O child of God, daughter of God, man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. The Lord bless you as you do that. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, help us Lord and save us from covetousness. It is a sin so subtle that many rationalize it and do it without batting an eye. Please, Lord, in the past times we have done these things, forgive us. And help us, Lord, henceforth, through thy Spirit to properly understand these words, to expand it in such a way that will apply to our own personal lives, impress us in our hearts the areas where we have gone wrong, that we may correct ourselves and give us power and strength never to go into this anymore. Help us, Lord, to prize eternal life above the things of this world that your name may be glorified in our lives and we may be partakers of your heavenly kingdom and glorify your name on this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.